Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Education Series. Dr. Bill Takeshita is the Chief of Optometric Services and Coordinator of Children's Programs for the Center for the Partially Sighted as here in Los Angeles, as well as Consulting Director of Low Vision Training for Braille Institute. Um, Dr. Bill offers these uh, monthly telephone series, and tonight our topic is eye patching and practical strategies for success. Um, the Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. And the topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information that will help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. Thank you so much for this for joining for helping us tonight on this topic, Dr. Bill. Uh, thank you very much, Sue, for as always putting these on and for inviting us. I'd like to thank all of you out there for calling in this evening. I'd also like to thank Mr. Joe Yurka from Airs LA, and he is recording this particular program this evening, and it will be on both the Airs LA website at www.airsla.org and also on the Braille Institute website. So if you go to either of those websites, you could listen to all of the past seminars and lectures that we have done in the past. So again, I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Yurka, for your time and your expertise. Mm-hmm. Now tonight we're going to be talking about patching. And patching is a particular form of treatment that is often performed for many young children who have different types of vision problems. Many people are not quite sure as to what is the use of these forms of patching. For example, we often have parents where they say, isn't this patching to straighten my child's misaligned eyes? Isn't this patching going to eliminate the need for my child to wear glasses? Isn't this patching going to treat the disease of the retina? And these are very, very good questions, but in reality, patching really is never intended to do any of these types of things. So, first of all, we're going to talk about what is really the use of patching. When we think about a patch, we could think about a patch similar to that that a pirate might wear, but there's also many other forms of patching, and we'll talk about these tonight. One of the nice things about the patches that are used today is that there are patches that are very colorful, and a lot of kids love to wear them because it may have a picture of Mickey Mouse on the patch, or it might be one of their other favorite cartoon characters. But we also find other times that we will not use that form of a patch. Those particular types of pirate patches are sometimes a little bit more difficult to wear in that they sometimes will slide down, or it's hard to keep them on your head very easily. So in some cases, we may actually use glasses and stick a patch on the lens of the glasses, and this way the person won't have that difficulty of the patch sliding off, nor will they have difficulty of having irritation from the patch rubbing against their eyes. In other cases... We may even recommend what is called a bandage patch. And these are patches that look like a large Band-Aid, and we literally just stick it onto the skin of the child's eye. And another type of patching that we'll talk about this evening 
is atropine eye drops. And this is where we could use an eye drop, which will blur the vision of one eye, and it could serve a function very similar to that of an eye patch. So the first thing is, why do we actually perform patching on an eye? The most common reason that we will perform patching on an eye is to block out the vision of the stronger eye. When a patch is usually recommended by the doctor, the doctor is usually going to recommend that the child wear the patch over their better eye. And by wearing it over the better eye, it will then force the child to use the weaker eye or the blurrier eye. And this form of patching is a type of patch that is going to attempt to improve the visual acuity or the clarity of sight of the weaker eye. So this is typically performed for a person who might have one eye that sees very blurred and the other eye that sees more clearly. And that diagnosis is called amblyopia, and that is spelled A-M-B-L-Y-O-P-I-A. Now, amblyopia is a fairly common condition that may affect as many as 4% of all children. And a child who has amblyopia in one eye is a child who has healthy eyes. They usually do not have a major eye disease to that eye. But these children do not see clearly out of one eye. And the reason that they do not see clearly is because the visual centers of the brain did not receive proper stimulation from that eye. If we think back about the anatomy of how vision works, the eyes gather light from whatever it is that we're looking at, and it sends all of those signals to the very back of the brain through a nerve that's called the optic nerve. Now, there are certain situations where a child may have blurred vision in one eye. Let's say that we have a three-month-old child, and in the right eye, the right eye is developing very well, and the right eye sees very clearly, and the right eye does not need any glasses. But the left eye is very blurred, and the left eye actually needs glasses. Well, a child who has a right eye that sees clearly and a left eye that sees blurred will very quickly just learn to use the eye that sees more clearly. And as a result, the eye that sees more clearly will send electrical signals to the brain and those brain cells will grow and develop very well. On the other hand, the left eye, which does not see as clearly, is not capable of sending sharp signals to the brain, and the brain will ignore the vision of the left eye. And when the brain ignores the vision of the left eye, the brain cells that are responsible for clear vision of the left eye, they don't get stimulated. And when they don't get stimulated, they don't grow, they don't make connections with other cells in the brain, and the brain is not capable of processing visual information from that left eye. So that is what amblyopia is. It is not that the eye has a disease to it. 
but the brain cells have not been stimulated. Now, there's two main forms of amblyopia. In this case that we just described, the left eye actually needs glasses, whereas the right eye does not. Now, you might say, isn't it easy for us to determine that a child has blurred vision in one eye? And the answer is no. The reason that we often do not identify a child who has blurred vision in one eye is because young infants, a one-month-old, two-month-old, three-month-old, ten-month-old, even a 12-month-old, these infants usually never have their eyes examined. Many eye doctors will say, bring your child in after he knows how to read the letters in the alphabet. So these kids, through the ages of one, two, three, four, and five years, they often never have a vision examination, and these kids just learn to function and do what they need to do with one eye, and the other eye becomes amblyopic. Now, the second form of amblyopia occurs if a child has a misaligned eye. Let's assume that there's a child and the right eye is focusing straight, but the left eye is crossed inward towards the nose. Or maybe sometimes it drifts outwards towards the ear. But you know that the left eye is never straight. Well, when a child has a misaligned eye, that is called strabismus. And when a child sees strabismus, the child sees double vision. The brain does not like seeing double vision, so the brain will turn off the vision of that misaligned eye. When the brain turns off the vision of that misaligned eye, the visual cells of the brain do not receive electrical stimulation, and as a result, those brain cells that see from the left eye do not grow and they do not develop. So these patients also would have amblyopia. In this case, the amblyopia is caused by the misalignment of the eye, so that is called strabismus amblyopia, meaning that the vision of that one eye is blurred because that eye is misaligned. And the first type of amblyopia we talked about is called refractive amblyopia, and that is where one eye needs glasses more so than the other eye. Now, the good thing about both of these forms of amblyopia is that there is a treatment that's available, and this is called patching. Now, the patching treatment is something in which we want that child to use the weaker or the blurrier eye. And the easiest way to get them to use that weaker, blurrier eye is that we cover or we patch their stronger eye. So we could think of this as an analogy. Let's say that you have one child and the right eye is perfectly strong and quick and functions very well, but the left arm is very weak. So what we may do is we might tie that child's right arm behind his back to force that child to use the left hand and the left arm, and the child could develop excellent function of the left arm and the left hand. Similarly, when we perform patching, we could patch the stronger eye 
and this will then force the child to use the weaker eye that will then stimulate the brain cells and the vision will then improve. Now the questions are about the patching are, number one, what needs to be determined first before we do the patching? The first thing about patching is that we need to determine what type of amblyopia do we have. If a child has refractive amblyopia, we know that that weaker eye or that blurrier eye needs glasses. In all cases, in all cases of refractive amblyopia, that child must wear glasses or a contact lens before we do any type of patching. So these kids would need to be seen by an ophthalmologist or an optometrist who specializes in working with children, and they need to perform a test to determine what power glasses or contact lenses the child needs. Next, after we've determined the prescription needed, we would then need to make certain that this child is fit with the appropriate eyeglass frames. Many people experience a lot of frustration because a child may not wear the glasses. And the most common reason a child will not wear glasses is because the frames do not fit that child properly. Why is it that they often don't fit? The reason is that many children who do need glasses receive their glasses through Medicaid, or in California, it's Medi-Cal. Now, Medi-Cal will offer an allowance to a doctor of about $22 to purchase a frame for that child. Unfortunately, most frames that are for young children are much more expensive than $22. So many doctors will use a frame that's designed for an older child, and they try to fit that frame for an infant and it just doesn't work. The ear pieces are too long. The bridge of the nose doesn't fit, so it causes pressure and pain. The width of the frame is too wide, and the lenses of the glasses are rubbing against the child's eyelashes. All of these types of things make it very uncomfortable for a child to wear the glasses, and the glasses are gonna then be removed by the child quite quickly. So we need to make certain that the child has an appropriate type of frame. In California, if there are doctors who are familiar with billing for Medicaid and Medi-Cal, we write report letters to Medi-Cal and we tell them that this child needs this special frame because of his size or because she wears a hearing aid or because the bridge of the nose is very flat or because a child has excessively long eyelashes. We have many different types of reasons that a child would need a more expensive frame. We write the letter to Medi-Cal, and they almost always approve it. So once we have a frame that's going to fit the child more comfortably, there's a much easier chance of that child wearing the glasses. Now, next month, what we're going to be talking about is this specific topic of how do you identify and fit the proper frame for a child. So I hope that you could tune in next month 
Or if you can't, maybe you could then listen to the podcast. Now, once we have determined that the child has the appropriate glasses, prescription, and the appropriate frame, we could then begin the patching. Now, the doctor is going to then recommend various types of patching depending on the child's level of vision of that weaker eye. For example, there may be some cases where the vision of the weaker eye is literally so poor that the doctor may recommend the glasses as well as a bandage patch. Now, a bandage patch is a large Band-Aid that sticks onto the skin of the child while the eyelid is completely closed. In these cases, if a child has very, very, very poor vision in the weaker eye, by completely blocking out all light from the stronger eye, it helps the brain to concentrate and use the vision of the weaker eye better. Now, within a short period of time, we're talking about weeks, we may then see that the child is using the vision of the weaker eye better. And at that point in time, we may then switch to what we call a scotch tape patch. And this is where we use the clouded scotch tape and place it on the lens of the glasses of the stronger eye. Now, in this situation, the stronger eye is receiving some light, but the stronger eye doesn't see clear enough, so the brain will still rely on the weaker eye, and this stimulates those visual brain cells. This particular type of scotch tape patching is very, very comfortable for the child because there is nothing that is stuck to the child's skin. Many times when you remove a patch from a child's face, their skin becomes very, very irritated. So there are some different situations where we may need to use a ointment or a lotion on the skin if the skin does become irritated. Now, you might be asking, well, how long should a child be wearing a patch in these situations? We usually are going to recommend starting off by doing this maybe for 15 minutes, and then the next day go into 20 minutes, and the next day go into 25 minutes, the next day go into 30 minutes. And the patching is always performed during an activity initially that the child really enjoys. So it could be dessert time. Everybody sits at the dining room table and going to have ice cream. That's fine. Everybody's going to be playing a game. That's fine. A child could be watching his or her favorite video. That's fine. As time proceeds, we're going to increase the amount of time that the child is wearing the patch. And we want to get to a point where the child can wear it for two hours straight. That is usually a very, very important time period if a child could wear a patch for about two hours straight. As a matter of fact, Tori Sladen from our center, she just sent me a very interesting article that I had never read before, but this article basically stated that when a child wears a patch for two hours, the benefit of wearing a patch for two hours is almost identical to as if a child wore the patch for 
four hours or six hours. So in other words, it's not necessarily always the duration that you use the patch, but it is the activity that you're performing when the child is patched. So let me give an example of that. Let's say, again, we have a child with refractive amblyopia. One eye, the left eye, has a very high need for glasses. We get the child the glasses. We then go ahead and we put on the Scotch tape patch. And we then say, you could do whatever you want to. Go ahead, play however you want to. Just wear the patch and we'll take it off later. And this child then goes up to their 60-inch television and watches television sitting directly in front of the TV from about one foot. Now, in that particular case, the brain is receiving stimulation from the weaker eye, but everything that the child is seeing on the gigantic TV screen is so large that it doesn't really stimulate those brain cells as effectively as if the child were looking at something small. If you then told that same child, you could watch your favorite TV shows, but why don't you watch it on my iPhone or something with a small screen where the child is forced to look at something smaller, the child's vision will improve faster, much faster when the child is looking at something small on the iPhone as compared to something big on a giant screen TV. So what this means is that the activity that you perform when the child is patched is really very, very, very important. And as a rule, the smaller the object, the better the results. Allowing your child to look at a screen, such as the iPhone or an Android phone, or if they're playing Game Boy or Nintendo, all of these things that are very small could be very helpful. They could do dot to dots. They could string beads. They could assemble Legos. Anything that's small is going to be very, very helpful. Now, this reminds me of a case where I had a young girl. She was about six years old. And the mother said, you know, we've been doing this patching for about six months. And I don't think that she's getting any better. And so we went ahead and we examined her eyes and we compared our measurements with the test results from the previous doctor and we found that was true. Her vision didn't improve at all. And so the first question, I said, is she doing the patching every day? Mother said, absolutely. As soon as she comes home from school, we do the patch. I said, every day? She said, yes. And then the next question I said is, well, how long does she wear the patch? She said, she's wearing the patch for about 12 hours a day. After she comes home, I put that patch on her, and I don't take that patch off until the following morning. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this is really amazing. So I asked the girl, I go, when you're wearing the patch, what do you do? And she says, I go in my bed, and I go to sleep. She literally would go to sleep right after school because she couldn't see when she had her eye patched. Now, when she's sleeping, that weaker eye is not even looking at anything, 
And as a result, the brain is not even getting stimulated. So what we did is we had made her a deal, and we basically said, I want you to wear this patch. You only have to wear the patch for a half an hour a day. And you could play any video game or watch any TV show that you want, but you have to do it on a cell phone. And she did that, and within one month's time, her vision went from 20 over 700 to 20 over 100. So that's a major, major improvement, and it shows that it's not the duration of patching that's important, but it's important what is the activity that that person is doing when they're being patched. Now, in these cases, the amount of months that a child needs to be patched, it really varies. If a child is under the age of five years of age and we're doing patching, we usually find that within a matter of three to six months, we will reach a maximum improvement in visual acuity between three to six months. So in other words, we're not usually finding that children who are under five need to wear patches for the next five or ten years. It just doesn't work that way. When children are older than five years of age, in addition to the patching, we often recommend that they go to the office of an eye doctor for vision therapy. And the eye doctor has special equipment that the child could look into, and that will stimulate those cells of the brain. So the patching, again, is performed to improve the clarity of sight of the weaker eye, and the patching is able to improve the sight of the weaker eye by stimulating the visual cells of the brain. Patching is not strengthening muscles of the eye, but it is literally stimulating those cells of the brain. Now let's talk about the other form of amblyopia, which is a strabismus amblyopia, where one eye is crossed or turned outward or upward, and the child's brain has turned off that eye because the brain does not want to see double vision. Now, when these kids turn off the vision of one eye for months at a time, pretty soon the vision of that eye becomes very blurred. Their vision may be 2200, 2400, 2800, even cases where it's as blurry as 20 over 2000. These particular types of kids generally, they generally do not need to wear glasses. Okay? Most kids who have strabismus, a misaligned eye, they usually do not need glasses, but there may be some kids who do need glasses. So the first step is, let's get an appointment with an eye doctor to measure their prescription. Number two, let's fit them with an appropriate frame if they do need glasses. But in most kids who do have the misaligned eye, they often do not need to wear glasses, but we will often still prescribe a frame for these children because it is usually easier for the child to wear a pair of glasses with a patch as compared to wearing the bandage patch. Just like with the refractive amblyopia we talked about before, there are times that we may use an adhesive patch 
on the stronger eye if the vision of the weaker eye is very, very, very poor. But as the vision of the weaker eye becomes better, we will then not use the bandage patch, and we will then switch to the scotch tape on the glasses. The exercises that we would ask the child with strabismic amblyopia to perform would be just the same as those as the child with refractive amblyopia. Look at small things. Use the cell phone. Do the dot-to-dots. String the beads. Build Legos. Perform video games on the iPhone. All of these types of things are, again, very, very effective. Now, what we do find is that for children who do have the strabismus amblyopia, we often will find that it may take longer for their vision to improve as compared to the child who has that refractive amblyopia. So in these cases, we often may find that they need patching for 9 months or 12 months. Again, we often may recommend 2 hours per day. We recommend that they perform activities that they really enjoy doing, games, puzzles, eating, anything that's going to be fun during that type of patching. But all of these types of treatments are very, very successful. So, thus far, what we talked about is patching is usually performed to improve the clarity of sight of a weaker eye. Number two, patching could also be performed if there is a child who has double vision. Many children may have double vision if the muscle or the muscles of the eyes don't work well. So these are kids who may have suffered from an injury or they suffer from a high fever or trauma. The injury affects the way that the brain controls these eye muscles. And in some cases, these children will have such strange eye movements that the easiest way to eliminate the double vision and them getting nauseous is to use a patch. Now, these types of patches are very easy, and what we will often do is to use the Scotch tape patch on a pair of glasses, and these kids will then be able to return to school and do their reading and writing. This type of patch will be used temporarily until eye muscle surgery or vision therapy exercises have been completed at the offices of the eye doctor. Number three, another third reason that we may perform patching is for a person who has difficulties with moving both eyes together as a team when they read. When a child is reading, they have to be able to accurately move their eyes from one word to the next. But there's many children who have difficulty pointing both eyes at the same word. So for many of these children, we may recommend that they wear a patch when they're reading, and we may see that it greatly, greatly improves their speed and their accuracy of reading. For these kids, we may later fit them with a pair of glasses with a prism in it, or we may recommend vision therapy exercises to improve their ability to coordinate the eyes together. Now, 
What about the situation where you have a child who has tactile defensiveness? This is a child you have tried so hard. You have tried many, many different eyeglass frames, and the child just will not even keep it on for more than one second. You know, there are kids that are like that. They take the glasses off and they throw it. You know, they think this is a toy to play with. Or they take the glasses off and they just stick it in their mouth. These kids often are just not capable of wearing glasses. They're not capable of you putting a bandage patch on their skin. And for these kids, the treatment that we do for the patching is we often will use an eye drop that is called atropine, A-T-R-O-P-I-N-E. Now, atropine is an eye drop that it paralyzes the focusing muscle in the eye. And as a result, a child who has atropine in their eye, their vision is very blurred in that eye. So if we blur the vision of the stronger eye, the child will then be more likely to use the vision of their weaker eye. Now, the atropine is a drop that we recommend parents will put it in while the child is asleep, and we recommend they put it in every other night. In some cases, the child may need it every night, but generally speaking, every other night. Now, this is something that's very, very helpful because then the child is literally being patched all the day. Number two, the child is not being made fun of because they have a Band-Aid covering their eye or they have all this tape over their glasses. So parents and students like it because most people don't know that they have taken this eye drop. However, this particular eye drop, it dilates the pupil of the eye, and these kids are sensitive to the direct sunlight. So they will need to wear a hat when outdoors, or they may need to wear sunglasses. But this form of atropine eye drop works quite well when we don't really have another type of solution because the child just will not keep other types of patches on. And the last type of patching that we will sometimes perform is the use of a contact lens. One of the things that we may do is place a contact lens on the stronger eye to blur the vision of that eye such that the vision of the stronger eye is worse than the vision of the weaker eye. And these kids often will do very well with these particular types of contact lenses. Today, we have so many disposable contact lenses that it makes it very affordable and very easy. So, again, after we have identified what type of patching we want to use, we recommend up to two hours of patching per day looking at small objects and between a period of three to six months, the child with refractive amblyopia, we often notice their visual acuity has improved significantly. If the child has refractive, excuse me, strabismus amblyopia with a crossed or turned eye, it often will take a longer period of time. And we often will work in conjunction with optometrists who will prescribe specific exercises and use specific equipment to help the child to develop more sight. So all in all, patching is a very, very simple 
type of treatment, it is something that is not painful, it is something that is very easy to perform, and it is something that is also very successful. What's also very nice about patching is that both optometrists and ophthalmologists generally agree that patching is very, very effective. In other words, there are not many disagreements between the different eye doctors when we talk about patching. So patching is something that works very well, and the sooner that we could begin the patching, if it's needed, the better the results. This is why we say all children must have their first eye examination by six months. All children really need this. If we could identify the amblyopia at six months, the treatment would be much, much easier. So at this time, let's go ahead and open up to any questions that you may have, and you could unmute your phone by pressing star six, and you could ask any questions about patching or what are the reasons for patching. And remember, next month we're going to be talking about how do you select a proper frame. All right, does anybody have any questions out there for me? Okay. All right, Sue, well, thank you so much. And uh, Mr. Yurka, thank you so much for recording this. This will be up on the Airs LA website at www.airsla.org and the Braille Institute website at www.brailleinstitute.org. And so, Sue, again, what's going on next month? Yes, uh, thanks again, Doctor. That was a wonderful um, lecture. We got lots of great information, and thank you, thank you, Mr. Yorka. Uh, next month, it is selecting optimal eyeglass frames and preparing children to wear them. So, this will be another great segue and um, addition to, my, to tonight's topic. So, again, thank you, Doctor Bill. Okay, great. All right, everybody. Good night. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody. Thanks again for calling in. And next month, it will be November the 11th.